All right, everybody, welcome into Hustle is a Skill podcast. I am your host, Brad Wakai, alongside my co-host, Brian Oringer. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm good, Brad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're getting ready. We're recording on a Thursday, getting ready for the weekend. Got the holidays coming up. You know, it's a good time of year. Yeah, can't complain. I got uh, my little team that I coach, uh, JV kind of high school team, is playing actually in the uh, championship game. Uh, this Sunday, so doing a lot of the you know hardcore game planning for that, obviously. But uh, yeah, all good here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you might be talking to a championship coach here <laughs> with Brian next time we come on. So that's some big news right there. Yeah, we uh, it's been a, a fun, good group. You know that that age group is can always be kind of hit or miss, but uh, we, we weren't great in the regular season. I think we we're like two and seven or something, and then mm-hmm. in the playoffs we. We've upset two higher seeds. The last, the team we just beat uh, had only lost one game in the regular season. And <laughs> listen to this. So we, we played them a week before. They scored 70 points. Then we played them in the playoffs, and we held them to 27. So, oh. you know, good good hustle is a skill right there. My kids played hard, played played some really good defense. And, uh, you know, it was a great team win to earn a spot in the in the chip. Absolutely. That's that's fantastic. And you know, all credit goes to the coaches, right? That's that's exactly. what we talk about. Yeah, that's why I tell the players too. I say yeah. you guys get none of the credit. It's all me. So <laughs> thanks for making yeah. me look good, guys. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So for the listeners out there, Brian and I are, are gonna talk large state of basketball. We've got some personal experiences or just some broader views that we'd like to share with you all just about how basketball's gotten younger over the years and just how that has affected basketball and just our thoughts on that in general. And then doing a little check-in on the NBA. Brian's been highlighting some teams or at least been paying attention to some. So he'll give his analysis on certain things. And and then um, we'll highlight a player or a few players who have really utilized their hustle as a skill, as promised. So, Brian, I really wanted to discuss this and really pick your brain about this because as anybody who's a basketball fan knows, the game has gotten so much younger throughout the years. And it's gone from – back in the 80s, 90s, you know, 70s, obviously, where players went to school for four years or it was anomaly when they came out after a sophomore or junior year or two. The good players, if you don't leave after your freshman year, scouts are looking like, well, what's wrong with that guy? Why is he not, why is he not leaving? Why is he staying in school? And I think it's, it's taken a long time for players to really hit their ceiling in the NBA compared to like when a Tim Duncan came out or David Robinson where they could come in, be impactful players right away. And I just, just curious your thoughts on that as we stand and as basketball fans, not necessarily how it affects the game negatively, because I don't want to say that because maybe you think it affects it positively, but just you think the impact of the youth in basketball. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's definitely pros and cons to it. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell because there are some guys that come out, you know, even that have come straight from high school, obviously, and just been – dominant NBA players and you know we're we're physically ready mentally ready and the you know just you know obviously the Kobe's and bronze and guys like that uh thrived and you know the, there's plenty of freshmen that, that fit that mold as well and um you know if, if you are really ready and and uh you know are a dominant guy that can jump right into the NBA and and thrive there, there's no reason you know to stay in school and I'll never I won't hate on anybody for for getting their money and and you know, you could also definitely make the argument that 
the NBA, you know, being in that environment, being in the G League, whatever, develops you better probably than, you know, having to also worry about class and, you know, spend – be limited in how many hours you can actually put in ba- on basketball. You know, in the NBA, the, as I know from being in there, it's, it's all basketball. It's 24-7. You know, you can be in the gym for – 10 hours a day if you wanted to. Um, so, you know, definitely pros and cons. But obviously the guys that uh, that have jumped and just were not, you know, mentally ready, physically ready, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, you look at guys like Josh Jackson, you know, who were top five picks, and, and you can't – again, you can't hate on them for, for jumping and, um, you know, being as, as highly touted as they were. But, you know, th- there's – guys for sure that you just look at and say hey you know if he had played at least you know a couple two one maybe two more years in college that he would have been you know a much better pro he would have been developed better understood how to play the game more um you know so it's hard because again that there's some guys that have jumped and, and been totally right in doing so but obviously there's there's been plenty that uh you know could have used the extra time to uh to develop to mature and to you know, just learn how to, uh, especially take care of their, their own business before, right. um, right. you know, having to be a professional. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting point you make there is you, I don't judge anybody either when, it, Hey, you make your decision. That's, that's what you want to do with your family or, you know, in, in some of the other cases, you know, there is some, somebody in their ear financially whispering, Hey, go take this money, go get your money. Now I, I bring it up just because this. I think the NBA does themselves a disservice when it be, when it comes to this one and done role that they've created in college basketball, where I think they should open it up to high school players and allow players who want to come out of high school to be eligible for the draft and then say, okay, and if you play college basketball, you have to at least play two years. So I think yeah. normal, I was originally on the junior, but I think that's even too much now, especially with recruits. But that's just my thought process of it overall. No, I, I love that. And, I, you know, I, I think for sure that, uh, you know, if you do go to college, yeah, having to make them stick around at least for a couple and, and maybe also doing something about, you know, the transfer portal where 50 million kids are spending a couple weeks at a school and then deciding, you know, they can't take the coaching and everybody's just open season all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it is actually – hurting some of the kids, you know, because they're being told, oh, it's this message of now you're, it's freedom, you can do whatever you want, you don't have to play for so-and-so coach or whatever, but at the same time, you know, there's there's been so many kids that were four or five-star whatever recruits highly touted, and they, you know, they, they got to college, they didn't realize that, you know, it's different than high school, you're going to be coached a lot harder, you're going to, you know, there's going to be some demanding uh, moments and you know that they, they get talked into going somewhere else thinking that the grass is greener and it's you know not always greener um, so yeah I mean you know just looking at like guys I mean you know I pulled up randomly just out of curiosity to see you know like like who's an example of this lately I mean you know Mo Bamba has, has been in the league it feels like forever but it you know it's like he's like a guy that I guess probably would have just finished I think like his senior season more or less and so you know, this season for the first time, he kind of looked somewhat decent in Orlando. And, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have, have had to go through three years of, uh, you know, just kind of abysmal play if he had spent that time in college instead. And, you know, Marvin Bagley, um, you know, Wendell Carter is kind of on the on the cusp of is he going to figure it out or not. So, you know, even from that draft in, in 2018, I mean, there's plenty of guys, examples of that that just uh, could have used a little more, little more seasoning as you see. 
you know, the top picks are freshmen, 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 literally every single one, except uh, not till you get to Mikhail Bridges is the first, uh, first guy that's not a freshman or Luca, obviously international, but I mean, that's just wild, obviously. And, and exactly, you know, an example of, uh, of what you were talking about and, and how, how much it's changed. Right. And I think to that point, when you talk about, he could have used more seasoning. I absolutely agree with you. And now it's on the organization, the magic to develop your players. Now that's what you're a professional organization for. You are getting paid. You have, as you know, being inside of an organization, you have a wing that is literally getting paid a lot of money to develop these players. I think what the NBA should be looking at though, is wouldn't you want a person who's getting closer to that polished finish coming into your organization and not relying on your scouts and your development staff to turn this 18 year old project into well he projects out as the next Tim Duncan it's like well how can he get there like wouldn't you rather have him get coached for a couple more years by Shaka Smart at Texas you know I think that's where the NBA should really look at and Adam Silver he has the capability of doing this I think he's making a mistake focusing more on the G League I think it's great to have the G League but I don't think he should be targeting the G League like he does with the Ignite team taking these kids from Mm -hmm. high school especially now with NIL which is a big thing. Now these, these top players can go to a Duke or a Kentucky and they can get more money from these marketing deals or these, you know, pay for play type of deals and play in big time college basketball in front of all these scouts in front of all of America, you're a household name. It, I, I just think that would be is more beneficial now. And it used to be, well, you can go to the G league cause you can get paid. It's like, you can get paid now at Kentucky a lot more money and you have more exposure. So I think the G league ignite thing, that might be coming to an end pretty pretty soon. Yeah, I I, I heard I forget who it was, but somebody did an article, I think a couple of weeks ago, talking about how it's not really going as well uh, as they thought it would. You know that um, it's not getting much exposure. Not many people are are watching it, and, and guys are having regrets about about doing that. And you know it, it, it's hard, honestly. I you know because you think about it. I mean there's no question that the level of competition it is much better than college. I mean, it is a much mm-hmm. better brand of basketball. And like, as a fan, you know, for sure, I, I feel like I would, you know, enjoy the, the level of play more, but you know, for whatever reason, I mean, people just are not going to let go of watching, you know, Duke Kentucky, you know, they're not going to turn off a, a Duke Carolina game to watch, you know, the G league ignite play the, uh, you know, the Hornets G league team or whatever. So yeah, I mean, they're just having a hard time. and It's kind of like, you know, I guess just like the WNBA. I mean, it's good basketball too, but for whatever reason, I mean, they've just never really uh, been able to get consistent uh, viewership. And, uh, yeah, it seems like the NBA is definitely, you know, maybe having some second thoughts about this uh, kind of big focus on that uh, night team. I'm curious where they go from there as a big picture of, of how they address things. And it's not that it's an issue, and I want to – make that clear to our listeners i don't think it's a problem that there's more youth in basketball i think that's what leagues professional leagues want i mean we see it with the nfl you know its nickname is not for long it's because it's a turnstile right they want more youth and they want to you know keep young players interested in playing and the more fresh names you get the better for the sport and in basketball it's a little bit different just because your longevity is longer and obviously there's less players so you get to know these players more there's more games they have more exposure but i would think as a business itself from the NBA that they would want the best product possible on the court at all times. And I think my opinion is having more seasoning, like you said, with Bamba, you know, having these players who 
have been coached and been coached hard in college and been away on their own in college. And it's not going from high school. Okay. Now you have this, this travel of this schedule. I mean, these players now they can't, they can't go to the hotel bar with their teammates. You know, they're right. 18, 19. Like they just got to go to their hotel room and play video games or in college, you got to go to class. You're in, involved in the student body. I think that in the long run is more beneficial to a player um, than, you know, just going straight out of high school to the NBA. But that, that's my opinion. Obviously, you named some success stories of players going from high school directly to the NBA. And there's obviously mm-hmm. stories that haven't panned out. But there's stories that haven't panned out from players going from college to NBA. Like, this is a hard league to make. Not a lot of players play yeah. in the NBA. So, I, I hate the argument, well, you can't allow the kids to make that decision. I think that's wrong. But I think you need to have, find the middle ground on this thing. And I think it will improve both college basketball and the NBA. Right. And to your point, you know, your, your idea, obviously, about either high school or, or stay a while, um, you know, what, what people have also pointed out is that, you know, most of the guys that would be in position, you know, or, or be smart to leave after, after high school are the guys that are, you know, the top 10 recruits and end up being top 10 picks after their freshman years anyway. You know, like Trey Young, Bagley, uh, Jackson, I mean, all those guys came in, you know, super highly touted. So they'd probably still just they go straight from high school, so we'd lose, obviously, you know, some good freshman years, some good one and done. But, you know, the guys maybe that are more on the cusp and, and you know, can use, um, you know, the Michael Porter Juniors w- would come back for a season. The uh, Kevin Knoxes, you know, where would he be if he if he muscled up and, um, you know, really learned to play the game instead of being the 15th guy for the Knicks, you know, the last few years. Um, you know, if, if they all had to spend – maybe even three years in college. You know, I, I, I don't even hate the idea of them staying three. I mean, I know you're right that more likely it'd be, it'd be two because, you know, three will feel a little long and maybe encourage too many guys to come out after high school. But, you know, I think for the most part, like those one and done types would just be, you know, high school and enter. And, and then the other guys would, would hopefully get, you know, a little more development, a little more seasoning and end up uh, eventually being better pros for it as well. Have you paid attention to that that overtime basketball league they're trying to start? I don't know too many details about that. Not sure if you if checked that out or, or seen any details on that. But I mean, basically, what I've got, what I gathered, is the premise is to start uh, a basketball league for high school players where they can get paid. And I don't I don't know too many more details yeah. about that legality wise. Obviously, you know, they wouldn't be eligible for college basketball as soon as they hire an agent and accept a paycheck for play. Uh, but not sure if you've seen that or if you have thoughts on that, if you have. I had actually for, <laughs> forgotten all about it until you just mentioned it, but uh, that's that's about the extent of, uh, of that I do remember reading about that. And it feels like that's more a challenger to, like, you know, the, the G League, right, instead of uh, kids skipping college and getting paid, um, you know, to play against pros. I guess they're trying to say, hey, you know, you can still be – in school and, and make a little bit of cash and, you know, everybody wants their slice of the pie. All these things ultimately are, are a money grab for, you know, for whoever's doing it, whether it be the NBA, whether it be college um, or whoever's running exactly. I don't even know who, who started overtime, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very inexact science, a very shady business. There's, there's a lot of things to it. And, um, you know, ultimately the, there's going to be an issue pretty much with, with whatever you do. No, no system's going to be perfect, but uh, I agree that, you know, there's definitely some, some tinkering maybe that could be done to make the uh, current system better. 
Okay, let's let's turn the page over to product on the floor in the NBA. Um, there's the season's been interesting this year. I I think it's been entertaining. We touched on that in our last podcast for the listeners out there listening today. If you haven't heard it, go check out our first episode where Brian and I, you know, introduce ourselves and and talk NBA and and get into a little bit more things. But uh, you've been watching the Wizards and. I want to say I've been extremely impressed by the Wizards. And obviously you have a background there. So, you know, you, I'm sure, are enjoying what you're seeing with the Wizards. Leading the East right now at 10 and 4, the players that they got for Russell Westbrook, I thought that was perfect for the team. They actually were a dark horse of mine, not to win the East, but to be a real competitor. Because I think for the first time in a while, Bradley Beal has legit starters around him. And you can see the impact these players have had on him. Doesn't have the high volume that he's had in the past. But he's, I think he's been a better player this year. He's a more of a distributor. He's more efficient. And when other players can make shots around him and he doesn't have to do everything, this is a really good team, especially with the emergence of Daniel Gafford. Yeah, no, they've, uh, they have been really fun to watch. And I think, you know, it's even more impressive, like you said, that, that Beal, um, you know, first of all, hasn't even played all that well when he's, when he's played. I know he missed the last few I think because of a, a death in the family, but uh, you know, he's, he's been able to kind of pace himself into this a little better, which obviously he, you know, could not do at all last season by last season, you know, the first uh, 20 games felt like he was playing 45 minutes a game because that, that's what they needed him to do. You know, that they just had to, had to ride that obscene usage uh, every single night to even have a chance. So, yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie's been, been really good there. Um you know, Kuzma's certainly stepped up. And, um, you know, a guy like Harrell, I mean, has been a standout and I think can be maybe our honorary uh, hustle as a skill guy of the week because, I mean, his, he's back to, to playing how he did, um, you know, when he obviously was sixth man of the year a couple years ago and, you know, didn't feel like that guy at all in L.A. last season, but but he's back. I mean, his, his stats for the Wizards – playing mostly off the bench or just seen. I mean, he's averaging 18 points, uh, almost nine rebounds a game, two and a half assists in 28 minutes. I mean, that's just, you know, his motor when he's, when he's locked in, when he's energized is one of the best in the league. Um, And so, you know, he's, he's been, been phenomenal and, uh, and you're right. You know, they just got, like you said, a bunch of solid, solid pros in that trade. KCP just, you know, does his job, um, watching Denny Avdia. I mean, he, he's figuring it out, you know, he's, he plays like a defensive stopper role for the wizards. He was guarding Brandon Ingram, uh, down in crunch time against uh, when they played beat the Pelicans. So, um, definitely they have some good things going there. There's the starting to maybe come down to earth a little bit. I know they lost to the Hornets last night. looks like they're going to lose to the, uh, to the heat tonight. I mean, not, not terrible losses by any means, but, they have been the beneficiary of a little bit of an easy schedule, but, uh, you know, definitely looks like Tommy Shepard, you know, deserves some credit for, uh, for assembling a, a pretty deep team and, and getting guys, you know, with, with a chip on their shoulders, certainly um, in Harrell and Kuzma and Dinwiddie to some extent. Um, and they seem to be complimenting, uh, complimenting Beal pretty well and rewarding his, his loyalty, which is good to see because, you know, you, you got to give a guy props for, for being the him and Dame kind of being the only guys that said, Hey, I want to, I want to win where I'm at. I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to demand a trade. I'm not going to ring chase or whatever. And, and uh, you know, hopefully those guys get rewarded to some, to some extent, um, you know, in the court of public opinion, because 
because it's hard. You know, you see Dame even get kind of, you know, crapped on for, for not being able to break through in the playoffs. And obviously that's not, you know, it's not mostly about him. It's mostly about just the roster around him hasn't been, you know, hasn't been a championship roster. Um, so same thing that's kept Beal out of the playoffs um, of late. So he deserves to be in the playoffs and hopefully, you know, hopefully I know they made it last year, but hopefully they'll be back as a, uh, you know, real team that can, can win a playoff series uh, this season. Right. I'm, I'm with you there. I love seeing these players who have, who have committed themselves to an organization saying, no, I, because it would have been easy for Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard to demand a trade and force their way out. Like we've seen superstars in the past do. And instead they took it on themselves. Now I'm the franchise guy here. I'm going to make sure that I do everything for this franchise. And it's nice to see a franchise return the favor. I think you're right. The wizards did good by him going, get going to get players that can surround him and make his life a hell of a lot easier. What's your, what's your take on the heat? Because I think last year was disappointing in terms of how dominated they were by the Bucks, especially coming off of granted it was in the bubble and it was, it was a weird season, but their run to the NBA finals. And this year, I think with the addition of Kyle Lowry, not having to give up anything to get him and just getting him in free agency, Tyler heroes played a lot better in that six man role. Duncan Robinson continues to be efficient shooting the ball. I mean, Jimmy Butler, what can you really say about him? That's not already been said. I mean, he's a dog on defense. He's a great leader. He's become extremely efficient, and he's a playmaker. And then you add the ascension of Bam Adebayo, not just rebounding, not just def- not just defending, but really becoming a, a hard guy to defend on offense. How, how good do you think this Heat team is? Do you think they're a true contender to win the East? And what's their ceiling that you've seen from them so far in your analysis? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they might not only be a, a contender, they might be my favorite um, to win the East. I mean, I I think it's a, a tremendously well-built Heat team that, you know, w- w- certainly suffered a bit of a, of a making it to the championship hangover, you know, and, and that's, it was a short turnaround. It was, it was tough scheduling. They had a lot of injuries. You know, I think a lot of things went into them, you know, falling off a little bit last season, but They've absolutely retooled. I mean, Lowry feels like he's kind of just – that he's been there forever. You know, he fits in seamlessly to that culture. Same thing, obviously. I mean, P.J. Tucker, like, I have to keep reminding myself that he hasn't been in Miami for 10 years already. I mean, just <laughs> – he feels like, you know, he, he he's heat. I mean, he's heat culture, epitomized, just a, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6 six, six guy that defends his ass off, makes corner threes, and – um you know, does his job as well as anybody in the league. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, Jimmy's made a, a step up in terms of scoring, uh, doing even more on that end this season. But he's, you know, probably the toughest uh, two-way player in the league. I mean, Hero's um, back to, you know, the, the potential he showed in his rookie season. He's, he's certainly looking like uh, sixth man of the year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the depth is the only thing, honestly, that, it scares me a little bit. Um, I haven't been keeping close an eye on it. I, I don't know. Is Oladipo even scheduled to to come back this year at all? I, I forget. I haven't heard that. anything on that. Yeah, but you know it's hard because they're giving they're giving him a roster spot. You look at the bench and it's like, you know, Vincent and uh, Max Struss, and you know they, they got some guys that are playing heavy minutes that um, I think last year were honestly like 12th, 13th type guys on the roster. Uh, so the bench does scare me a little, but uh, I think their starting five is as good as, good as anybody in the league. And 
Um, Bam, even like you said, has, has stepped up a little more as a scorer this season. Um, so suppose suppose top five in the league. They're they're tough as nails. Um, and I think yeah, I think they have a great chance to win the East. I want to get your take on the Spurs. It's because I'm I'm looking at them, and it's not like they have great talent. I think they have young, you know, players who can grow into something in the NBA. But, I mean, to see Greg Popovich, you know, he had, what was it, 22 years of winning of a team over 500. Now he's lost uh, or had two seasons in a row that are losing seasons. And now they're sitting at 4-10. and 10. They're just not competitive on a nightly basis. What's your take of what's going on in San Antonio and if it's fixable? Yeah, I just I don't, I don't really understand you know what the direction of the team is. Quite frankly, you know it's uh, yeah, it's it's almost like it's a rebuilding type roster. But they've you know they've got some guys obviously with uh, high expectations. I mean, you know, Murray's a good, very good player. White's a very good player. Um, you know, Keldon Johnson's made a big leap. So you know, but it's like each of those guys is like overcast. You know, like each of those guys would be fine as a third, fourth, fifth best maybe starter on a team. But when they're the one, two, three, you know, it's just not good enough. It's, they don't have a, you know, a superstar. They don't have guy, a, a top one and two scorer, really. I mean, just look at – I mean, even a, a cursory look like at the box tonight. I mean, they've, they're have they down 18 to the, the Timberwolves after three, you know, and you look at their starter scoring. I mean, Murray's got five. Johnson's 12. White's four. Doug McDermott's got nine. And uh, Ebanks has got eight. I mean, that's – you know, you, you can't in the NBA have have through three quarters one starter in double figures is like unheard of. You know, it's uh, so yeah. I, I don't think, quite frankly, as 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 great as he is and as legendary of a coach, maybe the greatest ever, uh, as Greg Popovich is. I don't think he's done an amazing job with this team in its kind of development type phase. Um, but I'm also just kind of perplexed by. You know, does the front office expect this team to be a playoff team? I mean, what is what is the expectation? Because it's just not not a good enough roster, quite frankly. Um, and and so yeah, I, I've I've been I think I picked them to win like twenty five, twenty six games, and that's not because I hate Murray or Johnson or any of the, or Popovich or any of the guys. It's just because they're you know they're not good enough. That's how I feel on it too. I, I don't know the direction there. It it feels like they want to be like no we're the spurs you know we can still compete it's like no you can't your roster stinks like you just don't have elite players i mean they're closer to the rockets which i know you said might be the worst nba team ever (laughs) compared i mean they're closer to that than they are to even like a bottom eight seed in the when the west like they're just not right there so i agree with you i don't know if they start trading away piece of if they want to get into this habitual cycle of okay now we're gonna have to start drafting first-round picks, now we're going to hope if we can build a core. I don't know if they're willing to do that. And quite frankly, I don't know if Greg Popovich is willing to do that. And I think that might be the, the bigger question that they have there. Is it time for Popovich to hang it up? Hey, I'm going to retire. You know, thanks, you know, th- thanks Pop, for all everything you've done, but we're going to go in a rebuilding direction. And if you don't want to be a part of that, we, we have to do what's best for the franchise type of deal. Not saying they fire him, but kind of being yeah. like, hey, this is where we're going. I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer to those questions. It's just something – it's something that seems is inevitable, and the Spurs are pushing it to the back burner. Yeah. I uh, Honestly, I have to remind myself, too, uh, you know, that uh, – Coach K obviously has said this is last year, but I, I keep forgetting that 
I guess Pop hasn't said that, but, you know, there's been, right, there's, there's been some rumors that he's done or close to done, right? But I don't think yeah. he's ever said anything, uh, you know, officially. So they obviously haven't named any sort of successor. I mean, you know, Becky Hammond, they, they always, <laughs> you know, they, they say they love her. Yeah. They, they talk her up a ton. But, you know, when she went for head coaching jobs, obviously she didn't, she didn't get them. And on top of that, there was some, you know, some negative stories that, that came out that, you know, maybe make you, you question if, if she is, you know, ready for it. So I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's very disappointing, you know, like you said, to go from uh, 48 at, at least that, you know, the first year with DeMar there, you know, they're still super competitive because, you know, he's a great player. Aldridge at that time was still a great player, you know, and they had, they had those stars that, that you need to at least be a, a competitive um, playoff team, you know, and then to see the, the Spurs last couple of years win 32, 33 games, it's, it's not the Spurs basketball we've come to come to know and love, and it just feels like a, uh, you know, odd odd mashup of, um, you know, some some vets. I mean, Thaddeus Young. Every time I, I watch the Spurs, I have to remind myself that he's there. It's like, you know, it's it's a weird <laughs> weird team. Like, why why do you go out and pay Doug McDermott, you know, decent money to, you know, kind of be a, a subpar starter on that team? I mean, it, the whole thing just doesn't really make sense. And uh, I agree, they need to come out quickly and you know, establish what kind of direction they're headed to or, or for Pop to say what he's doing or otherwise, you know, you certainly feel feels like you run the risk of Murray and some of these, um, you know, young young potential stars getting a little antsy and maybe wanting to, uh, you know, ask out of there pretty soon. Any Anything you want to kind of address in the state of basketball or anything that you want to bring to our listeners attention around the NBA or college basketball, even high school basketball um, that you, you want to close with here, Brian? Um, well, I'll even, I mentioned my team earlier. I had something uh, with them that I, I felt like venting about is, you know, <laughs> now's a perfect opportunity as any, right. To, uh, Absolutely. to talk about just crappy uh, sports parents. Um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I know every, Every coach listening certainly has, has dealt with some, but it just things continue to just absolutely amaze me that, that some things that some parents will do and things that end up, you know, hurting their own kid and, and putting, you know, themselves being selfish over, over their own children. Um, so more specifically, I mean, the, the team that I mentioned is going to the championship. Um, you know, I, I have a kid who's probably the, you know, 10th man on a team of, of 10 or so. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a good kid. He, he tries, but he's a, you know, he's a tubby kind of undersized four man who's, um, you know, got a lot of work to do as a player. Um, and so, you know, during the season, regular season, he got to play a massive role for us. We had, we had a lot of guys, you know, miss, miss a lot of games and be out of town or whatever. So, you know, even he started some games, he, he definitely played uh, major minutes in just about every one. Um, you know, and then the playoffs come along and, and of course, you know, you shorten your rotation. This isn't, you know, this isn't third grade basketball anymore. It's not one of those, Oh, everybody's guaranteed playing time. You're guaranteed half the game. No, that that's not how, you know, it's not how high school basketball works. Even our, our organization says, you know, you're not guaranteed playing time, uh, or anything like that in the playoffs. Um, so playoffs come, come around the first game. I played them a little bit in the first half. And then not in the second. And then the second, the semifinal, second game, he, he didn't play. Um, and, you know, the team did great. We end up, like I said, you know, having a huge upset, uh, advancing to the championship game. And this player's dad, despite the player, was, was fine, seemed to me to be fine. He was 
supportive of his teammates on the bench. He didn't complain or say anything. He was he was what you'd expect him to be, a good teammate, you know, seemed to understand. Uh, and then walking out of the gym, you know, high and then feeling great about our win, uh, his dad comes up and, of course, confronts me in the parking lot and goes, what the hell was that? Are you kidding me? Two straight games, not playing or whatever. And just, you know, ridiculous. Ended up basically – basically pulling his kid off the team um, before the championship game. And funny enough, you know, we have some kids who are missing the championship game. So he would have ended up almost certainly playing and maybe having a big role to play in the championship game, you know, being eligible to get a a championship trophy, be a part of something like that. Uh, And instead his dad couldn't control his emotions about not playing in a game and a half and, absolutely flipped out and ended up taking his kid off the team. So just, just ridiculous parenting and, and just, you know, so sad to see that it's such a me over we culture. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody, no, nobody can just, you know, t- teach anybody a lesson, which is, you know, sometimes you, you're going to, you know, especially if you make a high school team, you're not going to play every game. You're not going to play heavy minutes and you got to learn to to be a good teammate. You got to learn to just keep working and stay ready you know, when your number's called. I mean, we – I remember, you know, even in, in D.C. when I worked for the Wizards, Garrett Temple then was a was our 15th man, and, and he just grinded his ass off and ended up eventually, you know, a few years ago, the Kings gave him like a almost $40 million contract, you know, and that's a guy who went from literally being the last guy on a roster. So there's so many examples throughout basketball of guys getting that and doing it, um, but there's so many just delusional parents who – uh, you know, can't tolerate their kid not being the, the focal point or whatever. Um, and it's it's sad to see and just, you know, was uh, was very disappointing to me. Yeah. I mean, no, it's a, that's a good story you told. I mean, obviously a terrible result and you know, tough, but that, that highlights the culture, I think, that surrounds any sport. I think especially basketball, which has become a lot of helicopter parents coming in. I mean, I've when I've been in high school gyms, you know, you – I'm I'm in the stands with the parents and you know kind of looking out of my the side of my eye and just seeing reactions of of parents. Kids are like you said, the kids are fine. You know they understand what it's like to be on the team and be a part of a team culture. They have to practice with each other. I'm sure they don't always like each other, but you know you're part of a team and sometimes you do like each other and you want what's best for whatever organization or team you're a part of. And yeah, and those stories like that are are, are sad to hear. And if you're a parent out there listening, don't be that parent because ultimately to what Brian is, is saying, the kid would have been able to play in this situation. Like he would have gotten minutes. And to the bigger picture, too, there, there are sports stories littered by players across all the landscape of sports have had to wait their turn, worked hard, grinded, stayed ready, and gotten their opportunity and then shined. And, and more specifically in basketball, I just have never really understood that. It's like you, you watch professional basketball, right? Like there are players on the end of the bench who come in for like three minutes a game. Like that's, that's yeah. happening. It's not just your kid. It's, it's all across the sport. Like that's what the sport is. There's five players on the court. There's a yeah. roster of 13 people. Like the, the math yeah. is that eight people are on the bench. So. Right. Yeah. And then there's guys literally that, that don't, you know, don't get a single minute in a whole season, you know, that are on a team and play, you know, dress maybe, or at least are on the bench for 82 games and, and sometimes literally never get in. I mean, that's, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely something you have to learn to tolerate and, and just, uh, you know, learn to be, again, a good teammate, learn to stay ready, like you said. And, you know, at the very least, I mean, I understand if it was, you know, 
10 games at a, at a youth level and you didn't play in 10 straight games, I mean, yeah, there's some things that I, I'd agree or, you know, it's kids basketball, let the kids play, whatever. But to do this over, you know, literally just a game and a half in the playoffs, a semifinal game, which, you know, if, if we got crushed, that's one thing, but we won, you know, to, mm-hmm. to have this complaint when your team wins and your kid's going to, you know, get to be with his team in a championship game uh, is just beyond abs- absurdity and uh, just laughable to me. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> there's too many of those stories. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully it changes, you know, hopefully kind of things start coming back to normal where parents are understanding that, hey, your kids have to earn it and they have to work hard for it and they're not just going to get everything handed to them. But um, that's, you know, that's just the reality of youth basketball or just basketball in general where there are a lot of parents in charge. But to swing it back to a good note so we don't close it on a, a disappointing note with the state of basketball, I think what you said with Garrett Temple and Montrez Harrell, kind of highlighting what we discuss on, on this podcast, you know, hustle is a skill. And those are guys – Montrez Harrell, a little bit more touted coming out of Louisville and as opposed to Garrett Temple. But those guys are just poster children for if you work hard and if you work every day and grind hard, play hard, hustle, good things will come to you. And Montrez Harrell has been a part of a championship team. Montrez Harrell's won a six-man-of-the-year award. Garrett Temple's gotten a really good contract to be playing the sport he loves. And same with Montrez Harrell. So they're, if you take it seriously, if you put your head down and grind, more often than not, the basketball gods will look upon you favorably in whatever level you're playing at. Yeah, and Arell, on top of that, I, I forgot too, you know, with him that, he, you know, he was a second-round pick too. I mean, he came into the league, um, you know, with a lot of major questions about if, if he was an NBA player and ended up, you know, spending time in the G League, talk about, you know, waiting for your opportunity. He played, played in the G League in his first and second season, I think, a little bit and then bounced around and took him a while to – you know, find his role on the Clippers. And, and obviously he was – he seized it when it came and was ready for it. Um, so, yeah, stay ready. There's there's a ton of examples, like you said, of of that, um, you know, and uh, I think that's a much better much better mindset to have <laughs> than obviously the, uh, you know, temper tantrum over, over minutes, which also does happen, it should be said, in, in the pros as well. And pros are not immune, you know, from getting in their feelings. And, you know, you see guys like Marvin Bagley – uh, refusing to enter games or whatever the heck's going on in, in Sacramento. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely good to highlight the, the Harrells and the uh, Temples and the guys that have, you know, been, been good vets and, and figured out uh, how to be uh, stars in their role um, is definitely one of my, my favorite basketball sayings and something, something hugely important, just like hustle is a skill. So Absolutely, absolutely. So, for you listeners out there, if you want to continue this conversation, you can contact myself on Twitter at BWAKAI, B-W-A-K-A-I, and you can talk, contact Brian with questions. I mean, I, I've seen his profile and, and stuff he's doing. A lot of good stuff out there for you basketball fans. So, Brian, go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah, if you uh, the Twitter right now is B-O-R-I-N-G-H-E-R-N-B-A. B-O-R-I-N-G-H-E-R-N-B-A. Uh, everything else you can find, Scout with Brian, if you check out that on YouTube and uh, podcast. I just did a, a Wizards look, a little Bulls thing. Uh, I'll have some more good NBA, uh, some good more jumps around the league uh, on that YouTube as well. But uh, always enjoy chopping it up with you and uh, looking forward already to our next episode. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, Brian. And for the listeners out there, we appreciate you listening. And again, interact with us. We want to hear what you have to say. So contact us on social media. I guarantee you I'll respond. Brian, I'm sure will respond as well. 
he's a busy guy. You know, he's a championship coach now. I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but. <laughs> so it's in the championship game coach we got still gotta win that ring so that's right that's right all right well thank you guys for tuning in to hustle is a skill and we will talk to you next time <laughs>